Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Athlete Voices podcast. I'm your host, Belisha Tang. This week, I'm very excited to have on the podcast Autumn Steed. Autumn is a professional ballerina. Before ballet, she was a rhythmic gymnast and competed in the sport until she was 13 years old. After completing level eight, she switched to ballet full-time and aspired from a young age to pursue ballet professionally. She has trained in companies in Miami, Alabama, Chicago, and eventually landed at the Kansas City Ballet, where she has been performing for three seasons. Autumn also holds a bachelor's degree in kinesiology and sport and performance psychology, and is a Pilates instructor. Everybody, please welcome to the podcast, Autumn Steed. Hey, this is Autumn. Hey, Autumn. This is Belisha from Athlete Voices. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. I know you've been super busy. Um, I'm very excited to hear your story. So, Autumn, you are a professional ballerina with the Kansas City Ballet. Is that right? Yes, I am. Yeah. My My third season with Kansas City Ballet. That's so exciting. And how old are you, Autumn? I'm just curious. I am 24 years old. Oh my gosh, I'm 24 as well. So cool. (laughs) (laughs) So Autumn, before uh, ballet, you were a rhythmic gymnast during childhood. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I started rhythmic gymnastics very young. Um, At the same time as ballet, actually, I was around like two and a half to three years old and I did ballet and rhythmic gymnastics at the same time as I was growing up and then I was a part of the elite squad which trained at the Olympic Training Center Mm -hmm. and for rhythmic gymnastics and then at 13 I decided to pursue ballet full-time. Gotcha yeah I mean I was a rhythmic gymnast as well and I do Mm -hmm. remember hearing your name um on the circuit yes and so that's why i I recognize your name i don't know if we ever overlapped um competing but that is very cool um ballet and rhythmic gymnastics um as as you know are very related um rhythmic gymnasts are heavily trained in ballet so you started the two at the same time and what made you decide to focus on ballet Um, I had always been really passionate about ballet and my ballet instructor, uh, at the time as I was growing up, she really wanted me to do ballet full time. She was Mm -hmm. like, she has so much potential. I was like, yeah, I know. (laughs) That, uh, eighth grade to high school time period, um, which is what, it's a lot going on at that point, but I knew that I was, I was ready to kind of move on and I knew that I could pursue a true career out of ballet and Mm -hmm. I'd always wanted to be a professional ballerina so it kind of just all made sense and it was a it was a tough a tough decision for sure but I knew that it felt aligned with me and what I wanted even at 13 I knew that it was the right move so Wonderful. Yeah, I'm so glad you knew yourself and and pursued a path that you're so passionate about. And you're amazing. You know, I follow you on Instagram and you are such a beautiful ballerina with such amazing lines. And um, yeah, amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. It takes a lot of hard work. I bet. Yeah. Um, Tell me about your training schedule. I know you, you told me a little bit about your schedule that you don't get your schedule until two days in advance uh what is that like yeah our um our schedule is pretty rigorous it depends on what production we're working on at the moment but um right now our schedule is we take class from 9 15 to 10 45 every single day that class is optional but I always go mm-hmm. um just to set myself up for the day and then we start rehearsals at 11 o'clock and they go until 6 p.m so rehearsals can be between one hour long to three hours long and then we have a little lunch break and then we do it all again mm-hmm. and then we do it all again the next day <laughs> but yeah all the rehearsals are they're very 
it's a, it's a lot of hard work. Um, yeah. Right now we're working on Cinderella, so it's a brand new Ooh. piece of choreography by our artistic director, Devin Carney. So we're in the choreographic process right now, kind of starting from scratch. So that's been really interesting to see how that's yeah. uh, transforming, even just within the first week of working on it. Very cool. And I'm not super familiar with... Um, ballet levels and terminology so tell me about um i guess what are the different levels you can reach as a ballerina so each company is a little bit different but in the united states as of now um there's like so there's a pre-professional um sort of status and that can be within a school and that'll be your trainees and then your second company. So I was in the second company. I was the KCB two for two seasons at Kent City Ballet. So that's the top level of the second company right before you transition into the main company. Mm-hmm. And then at the base of the company at Kent City Ballet, we have apprentices. And then we have just the main company. Um, each company is very different. So mm-hmm. if you're in a ranked company, you have a, you have apprentices, you have corps de ballet, you have soloists, and you have your principal dancers. So mm-hmm. it's a sort of hierarchy within the company. So the principal dancers do more of the featured roles, while the corps de ballet does more of the group dance. Got it. And are you a soloist, principal? What level are you? So, so I'm an apprentice at Kansas City Ballet right now. But mm-hmm. the interesting thing is that Kansas City Ballet is unranked. So mm. we're ranked internally, but um, externally for productions, our status doesn't really determine what roles you do as much as a different company would that is ranked. Mm-hmm. So I, last year, actually, I was, I wasn't even in the company at that point. Um, I was still a KCB2, but I ended up going in for a more featured role, like a soloist role day of never learned that role or anything oh, and then wow. just performed it on stage that night what? and it was honestly the, the coolest experience ever um that was michael tank's dracula around a year ago wow. um, so i just kind of kind of got lucky a few people got sick people got <laughs> injured and i was there ready to go that sounds terrifying but you pulled mm-hmm. it off it, my gosh it was, awesome. it was so cool yeah very cool. Um, thank you for sharing that. And um, do you, so I guess segueing into one of the topics I want to cover, um, there are actually several um, things like, okay, I'll just give you an overview of what I'm thinking we can talk about. So performance anxiety, do you get performance anxiety? What are your pre-performance rituals? Um, talking about mental health in the ballet world, I know... Um, you know, body image is is a thing um, in rhythmic gymnastics as well as ballet where, you know, there's the traditional um, body type that, you know, there is pressure to conform to to some degree. And I would love to talk more on that if you are willing to speak about that. And yeah, so that's, that's kind of the topics I want to cover. But before we go into all of that, um, I want to talk about your rhythmic gymnastics days and how that how that uh translated to ballet would you say your rhythmic background maybe helped your ballet in some some ways like in terms of the flexibility absolutely yeah my my rhythmic background um it was pretty intense Mm -hmm. and so it i was i was in a pretty good point at 13 years old to easily transition into ballet with even more flexibility than a normal ballet dancer right. at that age would have. Um, so it was kind of the, the experience of gaining control of my body at that age was probably the hardest part because rhythmic, you're just so flexible mm-hmm. and like, it's just so extreme, yeah. but ballet, it's definitely a little bit more structured. Like, you there's more of an emphasis on like correct form and placement versus whereas rhythmic it's more like okay can you like get your leg up go into your extreme flexibility so Mm -hmm. like retraining my brain on how to use the correct muscles to achieve a similar objective a similar move um that was that was a little tricky Mm -hmm. but 
I actually did get the opportunity. I was, last year, I was setting a little five to ten year plan with some goals on it. And one of them was to teach ballet at the Olympic Training Center. And I actually got the opportunity to do that this past November. Wow, congratulations. I I taught ballet for the Youth Elite Squad program um, in Lake Placid at the Olympic Training Center. And I thought that would come in five to ten years, but it happened that year, and it was amazing. And so one of my biggest goals for teaching ballet to them was really emphasizing proper placement and stuff because it took a while for me to unlearn um, some things that I had just picked up in rhythmic for just so many years and just trying to achieve the goal and not really worrying about how to get to it. Mm -hmm. But ballet, I think it's more intentional and like you need to rotate from your hip socket to get to here, like lifting your leg. It's not so much like you just, we just need the end result. Right. Um, so I, I was really trying to emphasize that with the girls that I was teaching at the um, Olympic Training Center. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to be able to pass down my knowledge of ballet and my past experience in rhythmic gymnastics and kind of things that I wish I could have done differently or a teacher would have done differently for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to be that person for them. So I was just so grateful for that opportunity uh, for music yeah. gymnastics to do that. It came full circle, didn't it? That's so oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> I know. This is amazing. This is so cool. Yeah. So did you grow up in Kansas? I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Got it. So when I was doing rhythmic gymnastics, I was with Elite Rhythmics. In Elite Rhythmics. Grove. And then I grew up at the Academy of Dance Arts, which is also in the Downers Grove area for ballet training. Gotcha. Yeah. Um so what level did you reach in rhythmic before switching to ballet? I reached level eight. Got it, got and it. And then I switched, yeah. Yeah. So my last competition was nationals in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And I did win first place in ball. So that was pretty cool. Yay, it's a pretty wow. cool way to go out. But, <laughs> yeah. Awesome, awesome. So let's see, um, you're 24 years old. So you went to university, is that right? Yes, I did. Um, in 2018, I decided, so I graduated, so I knew I wanted to be a professional ballerina, and mm-hmm. I knew I needed to be smart in how I got to that point. Mm-hmm. And I was a pretty pretty hardworking kid, and I still am very hardworking. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated high school a year early by doing summer school and online school at the same time mm. as doing my regular public school education. Um, going to school from I think eight to around one thirty every day, and then going straight to dance. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a lot, yeah. but. By doing that, it allowed me to graduate high school a year early. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Miami City Ballet School and trained professionally there and didn't do school. Uh, I took a, a gap year that mm-hmm. year um, so I could focus fully on my ballet. And then I took another gap year after that. So I took I spent two seasons at Miami City Ballet. And then when I got to Alabama Ballet, I was like, okay, I'm ready to be back in the academic setting um, Mm -hmm. and just kind of work on my own, just my other passions besides ballet, because my passion for my education is just as great as my passion for ballet. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I decided to start an online college degree through California Baptist University, and at first I was doing a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology, mm-hmm. and then throughout my time doing my degree, I added on a Bachelor of Science in Sport and Performance Psychology and a Psychology minor. Wow. So I had been doing my college degree for the past five years, and then I graduated this past May. Yay, congratulations. So I, it, was, it was really nice to finish it off, and then I did a pretty pretty cool capstone on um, the kind of the psychology of injury in uh, pre-professional and professional ballet dancers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Very cool. Yeah. 
Um, it's great that you continued your education alongside ballet, and I'm sure your background in kinesiology and sports psych uh, helps, right, With, as a performer mm-hmm. and an athlete. Um, I actually did a semester of sports psych in grad school um, at oh, San Jose cool. State. Yeah, and then I dropped out to become a dancer. <laughs> actually, I'm a Latin ballroom dancer. I know it's very different <laughs> than ballet. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do have a little bit of background in sports psych, and it's definitely a topic I'm really interested in. And it's really cool that you did your capstone on um, psych of injury, because mm-hmm. that is a common occurrence, right? In dancers, oh, yeah. we all have to go through it. So did you have any injuries in your career? Um, yeah, I actually am just coming out of the injury right now. Mm. I... Uh, was in Washington, D.C., performing at the Kennedy Center with Kansas City Ballet, doing our Nutcracker production. And all of a sudden, my leg kind of gave out. Mm. And so I've been out for the past two months, and I actually just came back to dance mm-hmm. a week ago. Oh, my and gosh. I've feel- been feeling great. So That's awesome. So my two weeks, um, the typical two-week break after doing the Nutcracker performances, I... Since I had been resting the entire time during Nutcracker, I wasn't I only made it through three shows in DC and then none of the shows in Kansas City. It was uh, it was a pretty it was a pretty tough time because mm-hmm. um, injuries are are never easy. Right, and so kind of just staying true to myself and knowing that I'd be able to get through it, um, it really helped. And so I just spent those two weeks of the break working really hard on strength training and just proper mechanics of my own body. And I was able to start back up with everyone else on that first day back in January. That's awesome. I'm glad you're back. And yeah, injuries, (laughs) they're they're hard. They're tough physically, mentally. Um, Did you go to like physical therapy for it? Yeah, I I did go through physical therapy. so I'm, I'm still going through that just to keep myself strong. And mm-hmm. then I also will do my own Pilates and I'll do my own strength training. So mm-hmm. that's where the kinesiology background really comes in. Because mm-hmm. I really went to college to better my dance career. And yeah. everything else I gained from it was a bonus. And yeah. so I kind of, I really, I try to be intentional with everything, all my choices that I make. And so I really tried to set my up, myself up for success with everything I chose. Really for sure. my education and my dance career. Well, you certainly have prepared yourself um, to become the best dancer you can. You know, it sounds like that. Mm-hmm. And um, just out of curiosity, what are the most common injuries you see in ballet dancers? Ooh, I don't know. I wish I had a journal article to pull that <laughs> out. But, um, Would it be I mean, hips? Point, hips or? Uh, mm-hmm. really they're very demanding on your feet on your ankles mm-hmm. but I mean we see everything because that whole the whole chain of the body is involved in ballet so yeah. it could be anything um, yeah. but we really have to take good care of our feet good care of our backs good care of our hips because the demands on that extra rotation and lifting your legs up really high um, it's it's a lot and having to do it every single day yeah. and take a toll on your body. So self-care and recovery is super important for all of us. Definitely. Um, and you, do you have a rest day? Um, we get two days off from class and rehearsals. So Got it. I, I really enjoy the way, or I appreciate the way that Kansas, Kansas City Ballet has structured it because we work tuesday through saturday and then we get sunday and monday off mm-hmm. so by getting monday off we're able to go to doctor's appointments and grocery shop and run errands or just do everything else that we wouldn't really be able to do on a true weekend right because nice. we don't really have flexibility during the day because if you're called to a rehearsal you kind of have to go i see it's not it's not too flexible so got it and everyone's very very dedicated to their craft so yeah, absolutely. And is this like a, do you guys live in a, because um, I know overseas in like Russia, they have sports institutions um, where they live in residence. Um, is that the case in Kansas or is it like a separate no, school? It's, it's 
it's not like that in okay. the United States. I, right. I'm yeah. assuming that's because ballet and the arts aren't government funded in the same mm-hmm. way that they are in Europe and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I live a I live a pretty normal life. I have an apartment <laughs> and you know <laughs> drive to the studio and drive home and yeah. yeah. Wonderful, yeah. It's always fascinates me what the world of ballet entails. Um, I watched the movie Black Swan. Um, You probably watched it. (laughs) Now, you know, this is a good segue into the sports psychology component of ballet. Um, Black Swan obviously was, I believe, an exaggerated portrayal of the the mental pressures of ballet but in some ways I think there is truth to what was portrayed there um you know where where the protagonist Nina she she becomes the prima ballerina and leading up to the production of Swan Lake there was a lot of pressure and she basically cracked mentally under that pressure um Tell me about mental health in the ballet world and just, I guess, what's it like, you know? Yeah, ballet, ballet is a pretty, a pretty tough industry. Um, I am grateful for my rhythmic gymnastics background because I've been pretty independent for most of my life I, and had to grow up at a pretty young age, but mm-hmm. in a very um, structured way. So I, I personally, I'm... I'm doing well, mm-hmm. um, but I think the ballet environment can just get so intense and competitive, especially when you're at a younger age too, because you're actually like doing competitions and mm. you're trying to get a job from auditions and everything. It's very, you're very desperate yeah. um, because you're, it's just so, so easy to just get so close and not make it so fighting for a job and all of that there's a lot of mental stressors um that you can experience and the thing is that it's a universal experience for everyone so by not talking about that it's not helping anyone because everyone is struggling with it there's honestly no way you can't like not struggle with it yeah so i the reason why I structured my life in the way that I did with having my degree, um, I actually got certified in Pilates this mm. past summer. I went through teacher training. So I kind of always kept myself busy because I find that the passions that I have outside of the studio, um, they really helped me become a well-rounded dancer in the studio. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of keep everything in perspective and not be so like not dwell on everything that's happening in the studio because I mean obviously dance is my life but it's nice to have other things that keep me grounded and Mm -hmm. especially with my sports psychology background I can utilize all of those tools that I've learned in my experience through that degree and even right now I'm still working on research and stuff in sports psychology specifically performance psychology Mm -hmm. so I'm able to utilize all of those things that I learned and keep myself sane and just keep everything in perspective because it's yeah. really easy to, to lose that. Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to get tunnel visioned, especially when you're a professional ballerina, right? And you're spending most of your time in the studio. Um, yeah. yeah, that sounds really healthy. And I'm really glad you have that balance and that healthy perspective um, in life. Um what would you say about the topic of body image? Because that's a big one, right? In both in yeah. rhythmic and ballet. So can you speak a little bit on that? Um, let's see. So I think body image and ballet definitely go hand in hand, especially since we grow up at such a young age, just staring at ourselves in a mirror mm-hmm. all day. Yeah. And even though the mirror is supposed to be a tool to help us, it's really easy to just... Pick yourself just apart. focus on what you look like and just pick yourself apart. Yeah. And so it's kind of just being able to mentally distance yourself from what you look like and just feel everything more internally... I found has been really helpful mm. and I also feel like I have a pretty healthy perspective on my body because I 
prioritize how I feel and how my body is functioning and how my performance is over how I look. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, the thing for me is like, if I just so happen to like do all that and I look good, mm-hmm. then I'm like, okay, great. But if I don't, if I just feel like I don't look good, I'm just like, okay, that's okay. Like, mm-hmm. Because I, I, I know that the priority is in my performance. But it, it's hard when you're around people that um, are dealing with some body image, body dysmorphia stuff. Because you, you really do want to be supportive yeah. of them and, like, encouraging of them. And that it's, like, that's not all that matters. And just to be understanding of what they may be experiencing. Um but it's it's really it's really difficult. It's a difficult environment because we're all in leotards and tights for most of our life mm-hmm. at this age, and you kind of never really get away from that. So some things do stick with you. So yeah. kind of fighting, uh, fighting, falling into that trap of just prioritizing the way your body looks over everything is uh, it's tough. But yeah. that's why. I have my psychology degree. Very helpful. Yeah. Um, I interviewed another professional ballerina a while back and we were talking about body image and she was saying that these days what she observes is there has been some of a shift into more diversity in body types of course depending on the company right some companies the artistic director has a different vision that can be more inclusive of different body types so um have you noticed that trend as well um yeah i think um in my experience, our directors have really prioritized uh, if you're able to perform the the dance that's being asked. But I mean, there definitely have been some situations where body image has been prioritized mm-hmm. over their actual athletic artistic capability. And I have, I have stood there saying that it's so not okay. Like that mm-hmm. should not that should not be happening. Like why is someone letting getting let go because they can't fit into a costume? So there's still definitely things going on, but I mean, I do think I haven't really heard as many comments in my professional life Mm -hmm. about, um, like body image and stuff. But I mean, that's my own experience. I definitely know that's still going on where people are very critical of others' bodies. Yeah. So I think it's just really interesting, but I mean, I've always, I've honestly looked the same since I was young and I prioritize just kind of looking more just strong. Yes. And so that's kind of all, that's all my goal is I'm not, I'm not really, I don't weigh myself. Mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. not weigh myself because I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't tell me anything. That is so not helpful mm-hmm. um, in my actual ability right. to do anything. And so that's something I don't do, but I just try to eat a really balanced diet and I just, all I care about is if I look strong. And so that's, that's yeah. all I really focus on. Um, but that's, that's been something that I've been working on though with Pilates and just strength training in general. So when I see progress in that sense, in that more athletic sense, I'm really proud of myself. So Yeah. For sure. Very wonderful mindset to have of of like, you know, focus on your athletic ability and feeling strong and whatever the body image that comes as a byproduct of that training Mm -hmm. is something you you can be proud of and you can accept, you know, and exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, So thank you for speaking on that topic of body image. Um, So I I also yeah, we have have a ways to go, though. Yeah, in general. So, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I'm sure if you talk to any other dancer, they'd have a, a different experience. With mm-hmm. that, but right, right, yeah. yeah, that's the hard part. Yeah, and same in rhythmic gymnastics. Um, recently, oh, yeah. you know, they also have been saying there's more of a shift towards diversity, and you know, you don't have to look a certain way. As that pressure is not as strongly felt as it was probably when we were competing. Um, yeah. So that's good, you know, but yeah, that is definitely good. Yeah, still a ways to go, of course. 
but yeah, always yeah. room for improvement. It does not, it's not an overnight thing to dismantle a whole culture, right? Um, yeah, it'll take a while. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I want to transition to the topic of performance. I know this is your bread and butter as you, you majored in sports psychology. Um, performance anxiety, do you get it? And if so, how do you cope with it? And if you want to share some of your pre-performance rituals, that would be really cool to hear. Unfortunately, I really don't get performance anxiety. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> That's good. a good thing. <laughs> like, unfortunately, I don't get that. But I mean, um, I always get like some backstage jitters. And so I'll just kind of like if I just sometimes there will be a mirror backstage and I'll just like look at myself and just like kind of. Um, Oh, I can't forget the term. I can't remember the term. But um, just kind of, like, grounding myself and being, mm-hmm. like, you're here. Like, you got to do this. You got to go on stage. Like, your feet are underneath you. Like, you got this. So yeah. I, I kind of – I do more of, like, self-motivation backstage, mm-hmm. um, even though I don't necessarily get anxiety. But, I mean, I do get a little nervous. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I really focus more on, um, on self-motivation before I perform – and so I think that's always very helpful for me. I kind of am always encouraging myself within my head, like, you got this, you got this. Mm-hmm. Like, you're awesome, like, stuff like that, mm-hmm. even though it's kind of cheesy. But I always did that even as a, at a young age. I remember when I competed, like, YGP and stuff like that, I would, I'd be a little nervous, and so I'd always kind of encourage myself. But I think also the transition from being a pre-professional and having a little bit more um, – just like inexperience and just being a little bit more nervous and kind of just really putting yourself out there. It takes a lot of, it takes a lot of guts. It does. You gotta match that with your attitude. Yeah. And so I think by having those experiences at a, at a young age, especially my rhythmic career, mm. being out on a carpet by myself at like however many years old, like that yeah. really set me up for success when having to do solos in ballet because I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm fine. Like I can be out there by myself. Like I don't care. Like I'm not worrying about the fact that I'm the only one on stage. Like I'm worrying more about my technique and the dance and like, am I performing well? Like that's my priority. It's not so much like, oh my gosh, like I'm so nervous. Like, like everyone's watching me. So I got over that at a young age so that Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about it now. That's awesome. Yeah. But I mean, some coping mechanisms that, other people use and I, I do use even if I'm not feeling um straight up anxiety but I'll do some meditation I'll do some movement I'll I always have this thing where I crack my wrists before I go on stage and that's mm. definitely a thing for rhythmic holding on to equipment just like circling my wrist yeah um yeah I still do that now actually interesting um, but yeah I kind of I kind of take a more casual approach because I'm like you know what like whatever happens happens like I love ballet but it is ballet mm-hmm. and I kind of just love keeping myself um just grounded and keeping everything in perspective so you yeah. know like and I always I'm always trying to take everything seriously when I'm sta- on stage like I, I'm always like I I don't mess up on stage like I always am very focused I I get the job done it's it is my job to do that. Like it is my job to perform on stage, which is amazing. And I'm so lucky to have gotten here. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've worked so hard to get here too. So absolutely trying to keep everything in perspective. So healthy. You are spewing so much good advice, Autumn. Thank you so much for sharing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love all that um, positive self-talk and just, motivating yourself and feeling confident that and trusting your training right you put in so much hard work Mm -hmm. and by the time you get on the stage you 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 are ready you know you're ready and if you weren't ready you wouldn't be on stage right um yeah yeah so wonderful Mm -hmm. one more thing about that Um, yes just talking from my psychology background but something that I wanted to emphasize was self-efficacy and that's the individual's belief and their capacity to execute behaviors necessary to produce specific performance attainments Mm -hmm. and so I think self-efficacy is so it's just so important 
um, to be able to believe in yourself because everyone's worked so hard to get there. And if you can do it in rehearsal, you can do it on stage. Mm -hmm. It's, it's tough, but every, everyone who's trained and dedicated so much time and just their lives for it are, they're all capable. So I think again, putting everything into perspective, um, just is really key. Yeah. And I'm still blown away by your story of hopping on stage last minute, filling in that role as a soloist, right? That must have been. Tell me more about that experience. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I there were some COVID cases going on in the ballet and there was a role that no one so this is a different role, but within that same ballet. Um, so there was no one to learn that role. So I ended up having to just hop in and I rehearsed it every day. And then I was just, I was able to go in and perform every other show. And then on top of that, um, someone had gotten kicked really hard in their forearm and mm. they just, they weren't able to dance. And so a role that I had never, ever, 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 ever thought I would get to dance, even though I secretly decided that I would have, I would dance that role. Actually, I secretly decided that I would dance both of the roles that I got to do mm. um, <laughs> unsuspected or unexpectedly. Um, yeah, but when we uh, found out that we were doing Dracula, I was like, okay, I'm totally going to do both of those roles. I don't know how, but I will. <laughs> Wow. And that's another thing with me, like, I feel like manifestation and that kind of stuff is pretty <laughs> powerful with my life, because yeah. honestly, every single thing that I have done, I have always, like, thought about ahead of time, and then it happens, and I'm amazed every single time. Wow. But, um, anyway, but so powerful. Role, so day of, um, I had never learned that role. It was more of, like, a specific role. It wasn't necessarily a soloist role, but it was more of a featured role, and you were the only one doing something on stage. And so I had to – we had an emergency rehearsal day of, and I went in for that role, never learned it, like, never kind of – never really thought I would get to do it on stage, even though I secretly did think I would, mm-hmm. like I hoped I would. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone in that scene had that rehearsal. And so they were, they just all taught me the role. And so I rehearsed it a few times that day. And then that night just went on stage in costume, everything. I didn't even have shoes in rehearsal. Um, so mm. they had to find shoes for me wow. to wear because it, uh, it was jazz shoes. And so that way it was all very last minute, but everything fell into place. And I did, I think I did every single show for the rest of the run because that, that dancer was out of the performances due to their injury. Um, so it was just really cool because that's another thing. Like I didn't even have time to have anxiety. I just knew <laughs> like, I'm going out, I'm going out there on stage. Like I'm doing this. Like I know what I'm doing. This is fun. Like wow. it's awesome. Like it was basically a solo on yeah. stage that I never rehearsed except for the day of. So, you are so brave. I just just love putting myself out there and just seeing <laughs> what happens. And it's honestly really fun. You're so brave. I I could never. <laughs> I'm a very you much can't a think about it too much. You yeah, just gotta do it. I'm an overthinker. <laughs> wow. Um the, it reminds me have you have you watched the movie Mao's Last Dancer? I I've heard of it. I don't know mm-hmm. if I've seen it. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. So I watched it. It it just what your story reminds me of a scene in that movie. It was basically the exact same situation where the yeah. the soloist um, or the dancer he was called in last minute to fill in a role um, that he had never learned. He learned it like at his house, and and then he got on stage, and it was. So your story just reminded me of that. Um, very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. So what is my next question is, what is your favorite production and role that you have danced? Oh. Ooh. Or top three, um, maybe. <laughs> hmm. 
Um, my first like soloist role that I'd ever done, and was also very unexpected, was at Alabama Ballet, and it was the Arabian dance, which is the um, it's coffee, and that is a solo role in George Balanchine's The Nutcracker. And that was another role I was like, I secretly really want to do that. I don't (laughs) know how, but I'm going to do it. And I ended up, my name was on the costume fitting board one day, and I got fitted for that costume. And then I started rehearsing the coffee dance. Mm -hmm. And that was my first time as a professional out there on stage by myself. And it was so cool. And honestly, that was, that was one of the highlights. Cause like, you don't really get to do that. And I was also just an apprentice with that company and Mm -hmm. that was only my second season. And so the fact that they were willing to not necessarily take a risk on me because I knew, like I, they knew that I was very dedicated and serious and focused on what I was doing, but it was just really cool that even at that ranking, they trusted me enough to be out there on stage by myself. Yeah. And I think that that just really meant a lot to me. And so that gave me some, that inspired me to continue on and know that I had confidence in myself and that I could do it again wherever yeah. else I danced. I love I love that role. Um, I know exactly what role you're talking about, and it's so cool okay. you got to dance it. Yes, yes, in the Nutcracker. I I love the costume. Um, yeah, no, that's a great first first experience as a as a soloist, and um, I bet it was awesome to be to be out there and dancing such a such a famous role that's like the one the one role that for some reason it stands out to me in the nutcracker besides mm-hmm. the sugar plum fairy obviously but yeah. the arabian number it's so different you know it's yeah it's so cool the yeah. costume is beautiful and it's, it's just so cool to get to wear it and be out there by yourself yeah and yeah and i'm sure you're used to that from rhythmic right yeah that's very honestly it was a great transition from rhythmic to ballet because mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I have the confidence to be out there by myself. I had to gain it. I yeah. had to do it. Like, I failed out there plenty of times during rhythmic. <laughs> like, the very last competition I had, my ribbon got multiple knots. It was oh. awful. It was like, so dealing with, like, just things not going your way out on the rhythmic carpet mm-hmm. allowed me the ability to deal with things that weren't didn't always go my way out on stage and so I think that that really helped because I don't have to worry about those things now because right. I already know how to handle them totally and we both know that rhythmic you have to be able to recover from mistakes mm-hmm. pretty fast um and I'm sure that skill was developed through rhythmic and translates really well to ballet because would you say that um you know I mean in live performances things happen right oh yeah what tell us a story of of i guess one time when you had to draw on that skill of recovery like is there a a funny story (laughs) that that Um, yeah let me think i mean (laughs) i feel like because i I personally have I mean, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely a good thing. Um, I mean, I know other people, like, have missed entrances and stuff. But, mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, I'm, also, I'm always really focused when I'm backstage and kind of, that's the other thing where I'm like, so we were doing Giselle this uh, past October, and somehow even though I wasn't the shortest one in the group, I ended up being the most downstage person for my side of the stage, which means like you're the very front person. Like you really can, from the audience, like they can only see you like Mm. straight on and because we're in a straight line. So I just took everything so seriously for that because I'm like, you know what? I'm probably never going to get this opportunity again to be (laughs) in the front because I'm not the shortest one. 
mm-hmm. I was like, I just got to do everything I can. Like, I'm just going to try to be as perfect as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another thing because perfection is not necessarily attainable. So that's another mm-hmm. mental struggle that ballet specifically um, can can lead you to. Yeah. So also, also dealing with that because, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's something that's something else because yeah tying into that the body image like you can't have a perfect body like there's always going to be something and mm-hmm. so you just kind of have to accept yourself for who you are and be grateful that your body can do the amazing things that it can do yeah like not everyone can do ballet not everyone can do rhythmic gymnastics so the fact that like our body is at this point and can still do it all is really it's really really impressive Absolutely. It is really impressive. And um, speaking more to perfectionism, I know it's a it's a big struggle. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I heard this quote from a former ballerina, and she said, ballet is all about perfection. Like that is the gold standard is we want to hit those, those lines and those positions and do a perfect fuerte right and be completely Mm -hmm. spot on but you know it's not always attainable and it's tough right and and then that perfectionism can translate easily translate to everything in your life I know I personally struggled with it as it started with gymnastics but then I felt like I needed to be perfect in everything and then was not really healthy you know and I I had to go through a lot of therapy to kind of unlearn that pattern of thinking um because we're all human beings right we can do incredible yeah. things as ballerinas and gymnasts but we are human at the end of the day so yeah i mean honestly perfectionism is one of the things that i do um kind of struggle with because i always um my biggest thing is procrastination and so kind of <laughs> fighting that especially when i was doing my college degree, I, my college was in, in uh, Riverside, California, and so I would get basically a, two extra hours to do things each night when things were due, so mm-hmm. on Sunday nights, because of my fun little perfectionism, I would put everything off until, like, 10 p.m. and I would stay up until two in the morning working on school for no reason other than I wanted it to be perfect and so I thought the longer I waited the more perfect it can be Mm. because somehow I would gain incredible knowledge within that time period (laughs) which like look like in the moment I was like I know this isn't like it's not logical like I know exactly what's going on like Mm -hmm. um but it was just a negative motivator for me um, <laughs> when I was submitting assignments at one fifty nine in the morning, yeah. and then I'd have to go to I'd have to go work at the physical therapy clinic the next day mm-hmm. at seven in the morning. And I was like, this is not this is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. So definitely breaking habits of perfectionism is something that I am still working on now. Mm-hmm. And so even just going to sleep earlier, yeah. So it's just like that is something that I know I have in control of. I can do that, like nothing is going to change if I'm on my phone for a few extra hours. Like, I might as well just go to sleep early. Like, that will benefit me in the long run, even in the short term, just, like, the next day. Like, I'll wake up feeling more energized. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. perfectionism, oh, that is something that I am still working on. Yeah, I think we all are. I know I have good tools to um, help me out with it, and I have a really good support system just in general with my life, so. That's great, and... Uh, who would you cite as your your biggest supporters? My my parents and my brother, my whole family, um, mm-hmm. definitely my biggest supporters, and then my boyfriend for sure. Mm-hmm. I I honestly don't know what I'd do without them. They're yeah. very influential in my life. That's great. Yeah. Um. So, last question for you, Autumn. What advice would you give to aspiring professional ballerinas? Um, I I think that authenticity is just so important. So by just being true to yourself and being true to the path of your life will just make 
such a difference because your your life is not going to be anyone else's and that's something that I've always known to be true with myself I no one else has had this path in life that I have had and so by being able to recognize that uh it has allowed me to stay true to myself and all of my successes are my own and I am exactly who I am and exactly where I'm meant to be and so I think by just working on yourself and just really being in tune with everything in your life and just making sure that everything in your life, you really want to be in it. Because if you don't really want that in your life, you have the power to remove it and continue on with just beneficial things. Mm -hmm. There's no point in dwelling and wasting your time because I mean life is so short already and our especially our dance careers are so short already so if Mm -hmm. you're doing something that you don't even like and if you're in a company that you really don't like like you have the power to change that yeah if you if you really want it and so I think that is something that I that my parents taught me of just like go just go for it you know like where you're meant to be like it'll find you you'll find it like and that's another thing with anxiety like there's no point in dwelling you're the next day is still gonna come so yeah just being true to yourself in short that's all that's really that's really the biggest takeaway that I've had from my entire career in my life I love that yeah, beautifully said. And I love how you emphasize we're always in control, right? Some t- I feel like a lot of people fall into that mind trap of the victim's mentality, right? Things happen to us, but you feel like you're not in control. But at the end of the day, you are to, to a yeah. large degree. You are. Um, maybe not of everything, but you can't control necessarily the things that happen to you but you can always control your reaction to those things yes. right so true <laughs> yeah yeah well thank yeah. you so I actually, much yeah. i actually have a a little um a little picture quote in my bathroom mm. that i've had for the past three years and it says create the life you've always wanted and that is something that I see every single day and I just always keep that in mind I love that really really keeps me grounded and authentic to who I am and what I want in my life thank you so much for sharing that advice autumn yeah Um, Well, thank you again for hopping on the podcast this was an amazing conversation I really enjoyed having you thank you so much (laughs) Thank you guys so, so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Athlete Voices podcast. We have new episodes coming every Tuesday, so stay up to date with that by clicking subscribe. You can follow us on our Instagram at Athlete Voices and check out our website, athletevoices.net, where we post feature articles about the guests on this podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and leave us a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.